Well, welcome again to Impact Church in part four of a series that we have called Filters. And before we get into that, I want to just make note, uh, hopefully that helps you get an idea of what each group is going to be about, the where you can make the decision. This is the one that I feel like I need to be a part of this semester. And so before you leave today, we encourage you, go by Impact Central. All of the, the times, the locations, the, the dates to remind you, all of that stuff is over there. You can also go online to yourimpactchurch.com slash igroups. And those videos that you watched are on there. If you forget, you can find them online. And, uh, and make sure you get signed up either this Sunday or next Sunday for a group. We believe in groups. We believe in community. And just like the announcement video said, we believe you don't just need a personal relationship with Jesus. You need a shared relationship with Jesus. You need other people around you that can encourage you and spur you and hold you accountable in all of those areas. And it's just better for you. And so today... Uh, we're in part four of a series that we've called Filters, and just to recap really quickly, in part one we talked about a message called the comma, and if you were here for that and you remember that message, we talked about uh, how the enemy likes to put the worm on the hook, and he doesn't show you the hook, he shows you the worm, and he makes it look better than what it actually is, and a lot of times we fall for the bait, and we discovered the reason why we fall for the bait a lot of times is because we're on the wrong side of the comma of a verse that we read that says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And a lot of times we read that and we translate it in our minds as Jesus being mad at us. Well, if you loved me, then you would do what I told you to do. But we discovered that I don't think that's the way that Jesus says that at all. I think it's more along the lines of, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And a lot of times we're on the command side and we're trying to obey the commands and we're trying to do better and we're frustrated and we're mad at God because we're on this side of the comma when if we'll just step over here and focus on loving Jesus, his word says that if you love him, you'll do all the other things. When you're focused on loving him, all of the other stuff will kind of fall into place and God has a way of working that stuff out in your life when you just give him your attention and your focus. Then in part two, my wife, Amanda, brought a message called Filter Your Focus, where she talked about what you see and what you say and the sound you listen to. Filtering how you see things, how you see your situation, what you speak about your life and about your situation, and what you listen to. Does anybody else besides me always have some chatter going on in your mind when you're trying to make a decision and you don't even know what's the right decision to make? And so a lot of times we don't even make a decision because we're so afraid we're going to make the wrong decision. Because of all the, the junk going on in our mind, well, if you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. And if you do that, then that will happen. And if you do this, then that will probably turn out okay. And all this stuff is going on in our minds. And if we learn to filter through that and hear the voice of God and know what he says and that it lines up with his word, then it, it, it changes our entire life. It changes you and you become strong, steady, and stable, as she talked about on that Sunday Instead of just all over the place, not knowing what's the right thing to do and, and what do I, do I need to do this or this or this or this and I'm speaking death over my situation and not even meaning to and all those things. So we talked about that and then last week in part three, we talked about the response. If you were here last week, we talked about the response that, that, that temptation has three stages. There's desire, there's sin, and there's the consequence, death. The Bible talks about this, and the desire, the temptation, the thought that the enemy puts in your life and in your mind is not the sin. What matters is the response to that. 
So when the thought comes to your mind, how do you respond? Do you give in and go through the cycle of, well, there was a desire to do that, I was tempted to do that, now I did it and I sinned, and now I'm having to live with the consequence of what I did after I did that? Or we talked about things that you can do to change your response. We talked about recognizing what's already in you. If there's a family history of something, if there's an addiction you've struggled with in the past, recognizing what those things are that are already in you, something that you already know is a natural tendency for me to lean that way or that I've already struggled with that in the past, these, these are the things that are in me. I need to recognize what those things are. I need to replace the thoughts that the enemy's putting in my mind. We read that scripture where Paul says, I take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus. you got to take that thought captive and say, I just want to tell you again, you don't have to do what you think. You don't have to do what you think. Just because you have the thought doesn't mean you have to act on it. It's the response that matters. It's the response that matters. And so today, in part four, I want to talk to you on this subject, and I've titled this one, Full Disclosure. Full Disclosure. Now, has anyone here ever had an encounter with cockroaches? (laughs) We're just going to get real in church. You ever had a you've had an encounter with with cockroaches and 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 it wasn't a good encounter. <laughs> if you've ever had an encounter with cockroaches, you were probably a little freaked out, probably probably a little grossed out in that moment. But I I would say probably at some point most of us and if you haven't, you're probably you probably know what a cockroach looks like, right? You've seen a picture, you've seen it somewhere. Uh, maybe you you opened a pizza box one time and whoo there they were and you forgot that pizza box, you forgot that pizza box was sitting out in the garage, or you forgot it was in the in the trash can and they hadn't come and got the trash yet and and you open it up or or something and there there it is maybe you opened a cabinet one time, and you were like whoo I don't know what's in that cabinet, but but that, there's something not good in that cabinet because as soon as you open that cabinet. They just go everywhere, you know, or if there's one or two of them, you just see them, they start scurrying all over the place when you open the cabinet door. Or here's here's another thing to kind of relate to what we're talking about today. Have you ever, for those of us that you have kids or your parents or, or whatever, you had kids a long time ago and now they're grown, whatever the situation is, but do you ever remember walking into your kid's room when they had some friends over and you walk in there and all of a sudden everything gets real still and quiet? Now that's a that's a sign that something's going on that shouldn't be going on. And as soon as you open the door, boy, they're just like, you know, the, the if they're like our kids, you know, the toys that that were supposed to be here, here, whatever. It's like, well, well, um, well, Hadley was uh, Hadley was playing with this, and she wanted us to do this, and wanted us to build a tent, and and so she told us to do this, or Ryland did this, or Camden did this, or whatever. And the blame starts going around to everybody. But you walked in. Did anybody? Am I the only one? That has done this, or when you're at your house, maybe you've maybe you've had this moment. You're at your house, and maybe you have some friends over, and they have kids or whatever, and and all of a sudden you stop talking, and you realize it's really quiet. It's really really quiet, and our kids are not quiet. <laughs> They're eight, six, and three, and right now six months old, and our kids are not. They are not quiet at all. And so when you have people over, or we'll be sitting there talking or watching something on TV, and we'll stop and be like, something is not right. <laughs> In this moment, because usually there's all kinds of noise. There's Legos flying everywhere. Somebody got shot shot with a with a, a dart gun. You know, there's crying going on. All this stuff is usually happening, 
But in that moment, you know that something is not right. And so you go to try to check out, like, where is everybody, where is everybody at and what are they doing, right? Now, let me ask you a, 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 a personal question this morning. Well, before I do that, here's, here's another one. Have you ever walked up on a conversation between two or three or four or five or six people, and when you walked up, everybody shut up? <laughs> and everybody just kind of scattered. You walk up on a conversation, and there's some people talking over here, and you walk up, and you're like, hey, what's up? And they're like, <laughs> and everybody, everybody walks off and goes their own direction, or they just kind of look at you awkwardly, you know? And I, maybe it was because, maybe it's because you walked up on, you know, maybe they were gossiping about somebody, and they know that you're not, you know, all about, you're, you, you don't gossip, you don't do that thing. Or maybe, maybe they were gossiping about you, and so when you walked up, they got real quiet because they didn't want you to hear. Isn't it funny how people want to talk about you, but they don't want you to hear what they're saying about you? They don't want to give you the opportunity to defend yourself or to say, you know, how it really went. And I could get on something right now that's been all over Facebook about another church and this whole hurricane and all this stuff going on, but I won't go there because we're not going to get political in church right now, all right? But isn't it, isn't it interesting how you walk up on some conversation and, and all of a sudden everybody shuts up? And they start going their own direction, and they start acting like they weren't even saying anything. He's like, I know you were just saying something. You were standing right here talking, and when I walked up, you stopped talking. Now, let me ask you this personal question. If you could, if you could disarm the sin and temptation in your life, would you do it? If there was a way that you could disarm and depower, whatever you want to say, the temptation and sin in your life, would you actually do it? If you knew a way to do it, would you actually do it? If you could take the enemy's weapon away from him, would you do it? The enemy, you know, the Bible says that no weapon formed against you will prosper, and I believe that, but if there was a way to just go and disarm all the weapons, would, would you want to do that? Would you want to do that? Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know. Go ahead and tell me how to do it, and then I'll decide if I want to do it or not. <laughs> But you got to really answer that question, or otherwise what I'm about to tell you is going to go in one ear and out the other, and you're going to walk out of here today thinking, well, that really wasn't for me, or I'm not really willing to do that. The first thing you've got to decide is if there was a way to disarm the enemy, would you be willing to do it? Would you be willing to do it? If you could be free from what you've struggled with for so long, would you want to? And I want to start today in the book of James. We're going to be in chapter 5. We're going to read about three or four verses here, starting in verse 13. It says, Are you having troubles? You should pray. Are you happy? You should sing. Are you sick? Ask the elders of the church to come and rub oil on you in the name of the Lord and pray for you. If such a prayer is offered in faith, it will heal anyone who is sick. The Lord will heal them. And if they have sinned, he will forgive them. So always tell each other the wrong things you have done. Then pray for each other. Do this so that God can heal you. Anyone who lives the way God wants can pray, and great things will happen. Now, some of us in the room right now, when I read the first two or three verses, we're like, oh, this is good, yeah. Just go to somebody, let them pray for you, and, and God will heal you, and, and oh, if I'm having a good day, I should sing, you know, I should praise God, and if I'm having a bad day, or if I'm sick, I should pray, you know, go to somebody, let them pray for me, and I don't really understand all that oil thing, but okay, that's in the Bible. So, and, and when we got to verse 16, and we read verse 16, there's a lot of us 
who thought, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't really know what to do with that, but let's hopefully you're you're I got you on the edge of your seat, don't I? Boy, you're just excited to hear what the word of God, what God wants to speak to you today. I know you are just pumped up and excited about it because in verse 16, the Bible tells us that if we tell each other the wrong things we've done and pray for each other, God will heal us. If we tell each other the wrong things that we've done and pray for each other, that God will hear us. Now, is this hard or does this sound hard to anybody else besides me? All of you guys are just super holy and you just tell everybody your junk all the time. I can see it all over your face right now. Does I just confess everything all the time? Just tell everybody everything. Is this hard for anybody besides me? <laughs> because we don't want people to know what we struggle with, and we don't want people to know what's going on behind the scenes, and we don't want people to know what our marriage actually looks like behind the scenes. We want people to see what we look like when we come to church or when we're at Walmart, and we're walking down through Walmart, we're holding hands and just smiling at each other, and we don't, we don't, we don't ever tell anybody all the bad that's behind it. We don't tell everybody right before we came to Walmart. We were just yelling and cussing each other out, and now we're at Walmart, and you think everything's great. Is it hard for anybody else besides me to do this part? Now, how many of us, when I just mentioned what the Bible tells us to do, we thought to ourselves, there's no way I'm doing that. There's no way. There's no way I'm doing that. I'm not, I'm not telling everybody everything about me. People don't need to know that. I, that that'll just work itself out. All of this stuff, there were a lot of us in the room, and, and I know today is a message where you're probably not going to shout me down. There's not going to be a whole lot of amens and preach it and whatever you normally say. You may not clap today on the message, but I believe this is what God wanted me to talk about today in part four of a series called Filters because we're talking about temptation and how temptation never looks the way that it really is. It never looks like, it always looks differently than what's actually going to happen. The devil never tells you what the consequence is going to be. If you give in to this, he just tells you, oh, you know you want this. Doesn't this look good? You have a desire for this. You're already, you're already, you, you've already struggled with this before. Don't you want to go back? Didn't it feel good? All of these things, but you never see the behind-the-scenes stuff. You never see the hook. You always just see the bait. And so I think we need to talk about it today now. Here's what most of us do with our sin, if we're just being honest. We hide our sin because we're worried about what other people will think about us. And in turn, we allow our sin to destroy us from the inside out. I'm afraid, this is, this is what we do, okay? I'm going to use me for an example. I'm afraid of what you're going to think about me if you know that. So I'm not going to tell anybody what that is. And I'm going to destroy myself from the inside out for the rest of my life because I'm not willing to do this one thing. I'm not willing to do this one thing. And so it's going to eat away at me from the inside out for the rest of my life until I make the decision that if there's a way that I can disarm this, I want to do it. If there's a way that I can, that I can disarm the enemy and take away that stronghold or whatever you want to call it, that's going on in my life, then I want to do it. We've got to make that decision first. 
Now maybe there's somebody here, and I know this is, this is real, and I'm just trying to go all different directions with this because we're going to bring it all together here at the very end. But there's, there's some of you here today that would say, well, I tried talking to someone before, and they just spread my junk all over town. I, I tried, I felt like I was supposed to open up to somebody, and then 15 people knew about it the next day at work. Or people at church were talking about me, or, or whatever it was. And, you, and you've made the decision that I, I'm not ever doing that again. Because when I, when I shared that with somebody, or this group of people, or whatever, it ended up getting out. And I didn't want for it to get out, and they told me they weren't going to say anything, and they went ahead and said, any, said something, and now I'm never doing that again, and you've put up this wall. And first of all, I want to tell you, I know this is real, and I know this happens, and so first of all, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Because I, I think if we were honest, if you've ever you know, opened up and shared something with somebody, there's probably been some way that you've been hurt by it in the past. And that's why I think a lot of times we struggle with this idea that we're talking about today is because we've already been hurt in that area before. Number one, we're ashamed. Number two, maybe we've done it before and it didn't go so well. And we thought we were supposed to tell somebody and they turned their back on us or stabbed us in the back or whatever. And so I'm sorry that that, but, but here's, here's the reality today. We can't always keep everything to ourselves because of fear. Because people are just people. And I'm sorry that that person did that or that group of people did that, but is that really, can, can I just have your attention for a minute, is that really a good reason to just let sin eat away at you from the inside out for the rest of your life and never really be able to have life to the fullest and never really be able to experience any freedom and never really be able to get past it because you're afraid of what somebody might say about you or it happened to you before and so you don't know if you can really trust people. Is, is that really the trade that you want to make? You're willing to trade eating away at your insides for the rest of your life for freedom because of something that happened to you five years ago or ten years ago or five months ago, and you've put up a wall and you said, I'm never going there again. And we're going to talk about what this looks like here in just a few moments, but here's what I've discovered, and you can write this down. That sin is like a cockroach. If you turn the light on, it will flee. Sin, <laughs> y'all just thought I was talking about cockroaches at the beginning. <laughs> I'm always going somewhere. <laughs> sin is like a cockroach. Because what happens when you open the pizza box? They go everywhere. They like the dark. They're in the cabinet because it's dark in the cabinet. And when you open the cabinet door and light hits in there, they scatter everywhere. And sin is like a cockroach. You will never forget this as long as you live. That sin is like a cockroach. If you turn the light on, it will flee. It'll run in all directions because sin does not like the light. Sin likes the darkness. By exposing our temptations and these cycles of sin that we're in to the light, we disable the temptation and the battle is already half won. When, when you, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some practical things in a minute because maybe you're asking right now, well, I don't even know what that looks like, but well, we're going to get there here in just a minute. But when you turn the light on, 
on what's going on in your life and you say, you know what, I don't want I, I to be here anymore. I don't want this in my life anymore. I don't want this temptation anymore. I don't want this sin anymore. I keep going back to this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and I'm fed up. And when you get to that point and you say, you know what, if there's a way for me to disarm this, I want to disarm this. When you get to that point and you finally turn the light on, sin just runs all over the place. <laughs> temptation just starts heading, heading all over the place because, oh, my, oh my gosh. It's not hidden anymore. It's not in the dark anymore. It's not, and, and when, sin, when, when sin starts running all over the place and fleeing, all of a sudden you feel a little, you feel a little free. <laughs> like, man, I didn't realize what that was doing to me until I got it out of me and gave it to God. <laughs> and there's a process in the way that God wants to do this. So here's, here's what some practical things are that we need to do in order to accomplish what the Bible says here in the book of James and telling us so that we can find the freedom that we're looking for. Because I think even though most of you didn't raise your hand or you didn't, you know, amen, this is awesome, preach it, I think most of us in the room, if there's something that you struggle with, you probably want to be free. I don't think anybody really likes to be just bound up all the time and hiding everything all the time. And boy, if they really knew who I really was, they wouldn't like me and they wouldn't hang out with me and they wouldn't want to be married to me anymore and my kids would hate me and all of this stuff. I don't think we want to live there. So I, wa I, want, to help us, <laughs> I want to help us get out of that place. And today is, just kind of like a, today is just kind of an introduction to get you heading in that direction. But I believe that if you'll take today and what we're talking about today and you'll apply it in your life, it'll get you on the right path to where you need to be. So here's, here's the first thing that I believe we need to do. Just three very practical things. Here's the first one. Don't linger. Don't linger. Everybody say, don't linger. Now, after you said it, write it down. If you're not taking notes, get the note page out of your seat and go ahead and write it down. Don't linger. Don't linger. This is in, in 1 Corinthians 6.18. We don't have this on the screen. But the Bible tells us to run away from, and it's speaking specifically to sexual temptation, as fast as possible. It goes on to say that, that because all of our sins are outside, all other sins are outside of your body, but when you sin sexually, it does something inside you. Sexual sin is a different type of sin that does something on the inside of you while all the other sin is, 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 is on the outside of your body. You're, you're doing something outwardly, but when you sin sexually in some way, it does something on the inside. And if you don't believe me, just think back to that moment when something happened to you or when you did something that you regret, and you tell me honestly that it didn't do something on the inside of you. That when you gave something away or you did something that you knew you shouldn't have been doing, that it didn't, get, that it didn't do something on the inside of you. But here's, it, the Bible says to run away as fast as you can from those temptations, but I would say to all of us, that we need to run away as fast as we can from everything. Because some of, us, some of us in this room may not struggle with sexual sin, but we struggle with drinking. And I'm not telling you that, I, I'm not standing up here preaching to you that drinking is wrong, but I think when you just get out of control, I think that there's something to that. Or when you're looking, when, when, when you're, when you're looking for an escape and you go to it instead of Jesus, I think that's where the problem lies. 
when you have an addiction to something and you, you go there instead of going to the Lord, that's when there's an issue. That's when there's an issue. And so I would tell us and encourage all of us today that we need to run whatever temptation and whatever struggle you have, whatever the devil is playing off of that is already in you, that when it comes your way, you need to take off running the opposite direction. And you need to get out as fast as you can. If it's drinking, you need to run away and not be around it. If it's lust, don't be around it. If it's gossip, don't be around it. If it's drugs, don't be around it. If it's greed, don't get around greedy people. Don't don't be around. Run away from what the enemy is trying to pull you into. Run away from what the enemy is trying to pull you into. Don't linger because here's what we do a lot of times. I'm trying to hurry, but just stick with me. <laughs> Here's what we do a lot of times. We hang out in the, in the temptation. <laughs> well, I, well, I am never drinking again. I know that that's a struggle and I'm not going to do it. And we get around people and they're drinking and we just kind of hang out and, and we're just talking or whatever. And then all of a sudden it starts to look good and they look like they're having a good time. And they're, all of this stuff starts going on. And a lot of times we end up falling into it because we just lingered around it. We just hung out around it long enough to where the enemy could toy with our mind and just, well, one drink, come on, one drink won't hurt you. Just looking one time won't hurt you. Just doing it one time won't hurt you. They really made you mad, and so just go ahead. You just need to get it out. You just need to talk about them. You need to get three or four people around you and gossip about them and just get it out because it will make you feel better. It's not going to hurt you. And we linger we linger, and we linger, and we fall into it because we have lingered instead of running away. Instead of getting away from it, we hung around it long enough, and it got us. We hung around it long enough, and it sucked us back in because we didn't run away. Here's what I know about, about all of us today, and you can write it down. The longer we linger, the easier it is to rationalize and get pulled in. The longer you linger, the easier it becomes for you to rationalize and get sucked back into what you did not want to do in the first place. The longer you linger. Now, we've established that we need to run away from temptation. But here's what I know about this, and this is the direction I want to go for the next few moments. If you're running away from something bad, you need something to run to. Otherwise, you'll wear out and it'll catch you anyway. If you're running away from something, have you ever been in a race with somebody and it was a long race and when the gun went off or whatever went off, they said go and you took off just in a dead sprint as hard as you could get out of there. You were just running, 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 running. And for the first lap, you were just just way ahead of everybody. And all of a sudden... You start to wear down and wear down and wear down and wear down. And before you know it, by the eighth lap and the end of the race, all the people that you were just from the very beginning, their steady pace caught you. And I want to tell you this morning that sin is this steady pace that will catch you if you don't have somewhere to run to. Because you can take off running 100 miles an hour. And eventually you're going to wear out because you're not going anywhere. 
you don't have anywhere to run. And you're just running and running and running and running and running. And finally, sin is going to catch up with you and suck you back in and win in the end. But you got to have somewhere to run to. you got to have somewhere to run to. So here's the first, the first thing that I want to give you and our second point today to kind of help you out. And I just call it this. Find your person. Find your person. And I know that sounds funny. That sounds strange to some of you. But you got to find your person. That's the first place that you need to be running. Earlier we talked about some of us who, who fear sharing our struggles with other people because it might get spread around. And here's, here's what I would say. I don't, I don't think you need to tell everybody. But you need to tell somebody. You, you don't need to tell everybody. And some of us right now, we're thinking, well, at the beginning of this, you're thinking, well, I'm not doing that. But you are also thinking that you just need to be just open with everybody and just sharing everything about your life with everybody. No, what I think you need to do is I think you need to find your person. You need to pray, and you need to allow God to tell you who that is. Who is the person that I need to run to when I'm running away from something? Who is the person that I need to run to when I'm running away from something? When I'm running away from temptation, I'm running away from a thought, I'm struggling with something in the moment, who is the person that I need to run to? Who are they? Allow God to tell you and show you who that person is. And here's the second area, or the second thing that I want to tell you, and that is get in a group. Now, some of you who have been in this church for the last year, it's almost been a year, have probably heard 113 times that we want you to get in a group. We want you to get in a group. And some of you are thinking, well, they just want me in a group. And they, just, they just want me, you know, they just want to know how many people they have in groups. And I don't know what's the big deal with all this group thing. And all I need is Sunday morning and I don't need anything else. And I would beg to differ with you <laughs> if you just want to get real. And I'm not telling you to get in a group so that we can have 100 people in groups and praise God we have 100 people in groups and let's write it down and let's make a note and all this stuff. No, you need, I believe that you need people in your life that believe the way that you believe or are at least striving to believe the way that you believe and you're all heading in the same direction. Because we're already around people at work and people in our lives that are not heading in the same direction you're heading. And you need people around you at times, in our case, at least once a week, that you're around people that are heading in the direction that you're wanting to go. You need to find your person, and you need to get in a group. Now, why do you need to get in a group? Maybe you didn't know this. If you didn't, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Our, we have four things that we strive for as a part of our vision here at Impact Church. And we talk about this in Next Steps. But we want every person to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make an impact. Hence the name Impact Church. We want you to know God personally, find freedom from things in your life, discover your purpose, and then use your purpose and what God has given you to do to make an impact in our church, in our community, in the city, in the world as a whole. That's, that's what we're striving for every person to do. Now, the second part of that is to find freedom. And we have systems 
in place for every one of these things. The find freedom part is I groups. You need to know and I need to know that I'm not the only one who feels this way. Because if I'm all alone and I feel like I'm the only one who is annoyed with this going on in my life right now or who is struggling with this temptation or struggling with this for the last you know, five months or, or three years or lingering around something, I need to know and you need to know that you're not the only one that's struggling with that. Because what the enemy wants is for you to be alone. And when you're alone and you're isolated and you're in the dark, that's when he plays with your mind. But if you're in a group and you hear, man, I'm telling you, this this last uh, summer semester and spring semester of groups, I remember the group we were in in the spring was re-engaged. It was a marriage, and we'll probably do that in spring again, so just putting a plug, a, a bug in your ear. But this it was it was amazing to hear and to be able to go around and it's like wow we're not the only ones that just yelled at each other right before you came to our house for this group we're not the only ones struggling to balance everything and manage everything and there's sports and there's church and there's life and there's home and there's school and there's all this stuff going on we're not the only ones dealing with that there's some freedom that happens in that, and then, then there's some conversations that happen as to, okay, well, you're 10 years older than me, and you've been through that before, and you were just sharing about it, so how did you get through it? What did you do? What did God show you? How did you manage through it? How did you balance all that stuff? Maybe you can help me out. You need to know that you're not the only one because we all feel like we're the only one. When we're going through something, we feel like we're the only person that has ever gone through it and nobody else has ever struggled with it. And, and if anybody else knew that I was going through this, everybody would hate me and everybody would think that I'm crazy and I'm weird. When in reality, when you, when you open up about something, there might be five other people in the room that think, I've already been there. I've already done that. I'm going through it right now. And that's the importance of being in a group, of being in community with other people that are heading in the same direction that you are heading. We were not made to struggle with things alone. And this next week, we've talked about it three or four times already this morning, but this next week begins our fall semester. That's going to take us through December the 14th, I believe, and then we'll break for all the holidays and New Year and, and uh, the beginning of the year and all that stuff. But we, we intentionally... <laughs> have done this from the very beginning because we want we want fellowship with each other. We want community with, with each other. We need relationships with each other. Here's what I know. I need you, and you need me. And if I don't think I need you, then I am sadly mistaken because I need you, and you need me, and you need the person that's sitting to your left and to your right and the people that are in this room right now that you don't know have been through what you're going through right now, but you'll never know it. Unless you're in community together, and you're talking together, and you're growing together and heading in the same direction together. We need each other. We need each other. I want to invite the worship team to come back up as we wrap it up this morning. I, I want to find freedom in my life, and I would be willing to bet that you do too. I, I don't always want to struggle with everything. I don't always want to be alone to, to handle everything. There's a scripture in the Bible that, that talks about pity the person who falls and doesn't have anybody to pick them up. 
pity the person that falls and doesn't have anybody to pick them up. Can I just ask you this morning, who would pick you up if you fell? If you fell back into something, or you were struggling with something, or there was a death in your family, or something traumatic happened to you, who can you think of somebody right now that would be able to pick you up and encourage you and be there for you, speak life into you? Can you think of somebody right now? Do you have a group of people that you think, boy, I just know that if I was going through something, I could call this person, and I know that they would pray, they would encourage me, they would do anything they could do to help me? Do you have that? And if you don't, I'm not trying to get on you this morning, but if you don't, why would you not want it? Why would you not want it? Why would you want to go through everything alone? Why would you want to struggle with everything alone? Why would you not want somebody that's there to pick you up and encourage you and be there for you when you're having a hard time or your day was bad and there's somebody you can text real quick and say, man, today was awful. And they can just text you right back, you know what, God has a plan for your life. And what happened today does not define you. And it's not who you're going to become. And it's just one bump in the road that God's taking you on. And so we're going to get through this. Can I pray for you? Why, why in the world would you not want that? I think we all do. It's just taking the step to put that in place in our lives. Will you stand this morning? It's taking that step. The devil wants you isolated in thinking about all your problems and struggles. How many of you ever been sitting in, you've just been sitting in the dark, and maybe not physically, but in your life, and you've just been thinking? You've been trying to pray, but all you can do is think about everything you're going through. I'm trying to pray, and I don't know, I don't even know what to pray. All I do is just think about if I do this, this is probably going to happen. If I do that, this is probably going to happen. And I'm just thinking about it, thinking about it, and isolating myself. I believe that God wants you to have people in your life that in that moment you could say, I don't know what to pray right now. Will you just pray for me? Will you just, will you just encourage me? Can, you, can I get somebody on the outside looking at my situation to tell me that everything's going to be okay? Because when you're right in the middle of it, you don't know that everything's going to be okay. You don't know that you're ever going to get out or that it's ever going to get better or that it's ever going to change. And we need people around us. You need to find somebody. You need to be in a group where you can discover, I'm not the, o- I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. And we can encourage each other and be there for each other and cook food for each other and do all that fun stuff for each other. But when I fall, I know I have people that can pick me up. When you fall, do you have somebody that could pick you up? Do you have somebody that could be there for you? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives right now in this moment. God, I thank you for what you've spoken to us today, Lord. Give us, God, don't let us forget. Don't let us forget that we don't need to linger around temptation or sin or things that we struggle with. We need to find somebody. We need to allow you to show us that person that we can open ourselves up to, that we can share our struggles with, that we can share when times are good, share when times are bad. And God, we need to be in community with other people who are heading in the same direction that we're heading. God, right now I pray for every person that's here. God, you know what every one of us are struggling with. You know what we're fighting. 
You know what we're feeling. You know what we're thinking. And God, right now I pray that you would give us Give us boldness to step out and do what you've told us in your word to do so that we can disarm all those things in our life. That we can remove all of that from our life. I want to invite the prayer team to come down this morning. I want to ask you this. We're going to sing one final song. We're going to worship before we leave. And I want to, inv- I want to invite you, if you're here today with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you will, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, And you know right now, you just feel something on the inside of you. And you just think, you know what, this is something I need to do. I just feel like I need to do this. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to the Father. And I would encourage you right now to not fight that. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to embarrass you. I believe that, that Jesus wants to meet you right where you're standing right now. With your eyes closed and your head bowed, if that's you, I just want you to pray this prayer. There's nothing magical about the prayer. This is just you giving your life to Jesus. And so I believe that you can pray this in your heart. And when you pray this prayer, that you can walk out of here knowing, oh, I just made that decision. And I believe that from that moment forward, that God's going to begin to work on things in your life and sort things out and and, and do different things. And, And we can talk to you about that. But let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for leaving heaven coming to earth, dying for my sin. But I thank you that you didn't stay there. You rose again so that I could have life. You wanted me to have life and life to the fullest. And today I'm telling you that I want that. I want you in my life. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I receive your forgiveness right now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Help me to to live for you from this day forward. I thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for transforming me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you be bold enough to just slip your hand up so we can celebrate what God is doing? Was there anybody for the first time? Man, that's incredible. (laughs) That's incredible. I believe that God wants to give you life to the fullest, not just scraping by, life to the fullest. We want to invite you. We're going to sing one final song. As we begin to sing this song, I want to invite you, if you need prayer for anything in your life, it could be for your marriage, it could be for your relationships, could be for your job, it could be for things that you're struggling with, could be financial. I don't, it doesn't have to be anything we talked about today. But you just need somebody, you, you're right now, you're thinking, you know what, I need somebody to just encourage me. I need somebody to pray with me about this in my life. You're invited to come down as we sing this last song. God, I thank you for every person here. I pray that you would draw every person that needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.